Hi, I'm Marietta Del Vecchio, and welcome to another episode of the Silver Bullet Podcast. This podcast is about lessons learned in running a business with a strong focus on startup founders and CEOs. We'll uncover what gaps these disruptors have identified in the market, what they're doing differently to their competitors, and of course, to find out their silver bullet for business success. On today's episode of the Silver Bullet Podcast, I'm chatting with Brad Adams, founder of Rare Foods Australia, the only wild enhanced fishery in the world using MSC certified sustainable practices to produce green lip abalone. During the podcast, we chat about how passion for conservation led to developing what is now the company's unique IP, what causes half their stock of abalone to die within the first two weeks of life, and how Brad feels about his new title after being named a sustainable fishing hero. Brad, thank you for joining me on the podcast. No worries, Marietta. Pleasure to be here. Why don't you start by telling us a little bit about Rare Foods Australia? What is it that you guys do? Uh, so Rare Foods Australia, um, our main product we're selling at the moment is our um, wild catch green lip abalone product that we harvest from the um, reefs that we've constructed here in Flinders Bay um, using a technology called abalone ranching. Um, but as rare foods, we're also um, developing um, other rare and premium products um, to market, sell or um, be involved in the supply chain um, to export um, around the world. Anything in particular there? Yeah, we have been um, recently playing. We have recently been playing around with uh, some underwater cellaring of um, local wine products, which is starting to gain some real traction, and we're we're, we're increasing volumes there, um, and they'll be available through our ocean pantry soon, um, and online. Um, we're also been uh, selling some wild catch product, abalone product uh, from the wild catch divers uh, in the area. Um, we're also looking at um, other products, potentially some truffles um, and any other interesting products that are, um, are in the southwest as well. So there's, as you're aware, the southwest is um, a bit of a foodie paradise. And um, yeah, we're very interested in um, looking at products that we can bring into our product range and broaden um, our um, offering um, to, the, to the markets that we sell into. Tell me a little bit about how you became an abalone producer because Rare Foods sure. Australia, it's a very rare food. Um, my personal journey um, was through my family history. My father was um, the pioneer of the abalone industry um, here in Western Australia. He actually found the abalone beds here in the late 1960s and started up an industry here which um, became um, quite a profitable industry to be in through the 1980s and 90s. Um, and I, I and my two other brothers became commercial abalone divers and we'd, we'd work the coastline um, from Augusta through to Esperance. Um, one of my brothers actually went to South Australia for a while um, harvesting abalone. But yeah, sort of it's in our blood. Um, and I was harvesting abalone here uh, in the 1990s through to the early 2000s. Um, then started noticing a real decline in the uh, abalone stocks um, in the area and was getting concerned for my future, actually. Um, and I have a, a science background um, in uh, marine biology and, and aquaculture. Um, 
pre-Avalone uh, diving when I was at university in the 80s and early 90s. And um, yeah, started thinking, well, how can we do this better? I mean, I'm starting to see stocks decline and there's some issues around that. Um, there was a, an abalone hatchery going at the time and we had a, had actually some interest in an abalone um, farm in Albany. And we were playing around with uh, stock enhancement by putting abalone back in back into the wild reefs and that was working pretty well. But to get consensus amongst all the divers um, was very difficult because you know, there's different agendas from different people. But um, where we headed was actually... Um, I saw a lot of areas where abalone would grow fantastically um, because it was the right depth, it was in the right location, there was plenty of seaweed drifting past, lots of food for the abalone to eat. The only thing missing was the rocks. Um, so I thought, well, maybe if I put some rocks down here and, and, and then put some baby abalone on them, uh, they might grow. Um, and that happened to be in Flinders Bay here, which is just out in front of my house. And, um, yeah, started playing around with some materials opportunity like culvert drains and some solid blocks that were made up and, was had a few trials going in the bay here with um, some baby abalone going on, and they, they went really well. And this was sort of around 2009, 2010. And uh, from there, I thought, well, um, with the backing of some, some investors I had at the time, let's scale this up a bit. So we did a full one-year trial in 2011 where we had uh, uh, quite a few different locations um, that we were testing, different design of blocks, Try to work out how many abalone you should put on a reef, and um, anyway, the trial results from that uh, full scientific trial over the one year proved that this was a really, you know, possible and viable business. So, from there, um, in 2014, we raised some capital to um, expand the business using the current style of um, block. Um, the block we actually call an habitat. That's a, a play on words between abalone and habitat. So basically, it was the habitat we we're providing for the abalone. So. Each one of these um, blocks is about a metre high and about two metres wide, um, hollow in the centre to protect it from predators, um, and each one holds about 200 abalone. So in 2014, we uh, raised enough capital to put about 5,000 of those in the water, and it was going really well. So we were getting abalone from the hatchery at Bremer Bay, bringing them across and, and putting the abalone in the water at 40 mil, and then just let nature take over. And um, once the abalone are in the water... Um, it's exactly like a normal reef in the wild where um, there would be swell and storms and that would bring the seaweed in for the abalone to eat and they were just growing naturally without too much interference from us. Um, the business was going really well um, and in 2017 um, we saw an opportunity to list the company to expand. Um, so we listed on the ASX in uh, 2017, raised some more capital to double the size of um, the ranch to 10,000 of these habitats. Um, to give you an idea of scale, um, 10,000 of these habitats side by side is 20 kilometres long. So can you imagine a reef that's 20 kilometres long with abalone all over it? Um, and that allows us now to produce around about 90 to 100 tonnes. Um, this year, I think we'll produce you know, in, in the region of 80 to 90 tonnes um, and, and, and expecting that to grow um, as, as we get better. Um, and then uh, the business was going along quite well. And then um, the, the company was called Ocean Grown Abalone at the time. And then we saw an opportunity when we were selling in the markets. People kept on asking us, well, you've got abalone. What else have you got from the southwest there? And, and we thought, well, yeah, we could get some wild catch abalone in there. Um, we had just started playing around, uh, experimenting with the wine. Um, we knew there, there were other premium products in the southwest. And we thought, well, 
to actually really capitalize on that, we need to change the name from just being an abalone company to a rare food and uh, premium company. So yeah, that's hence the name uh, changed to Rare Foods. So we can really go after um, rare and premium products in the Southwest. So to visually, I guess, give myself and perhaps listeners a bit of a uh, an illustration of the habitats, is it, is it the, mm. the concept the same as building infrastructure for oysters, giving them somewhere to live and to... Um, well, it's actually quite different. So um, Not in terms of how it looks, but just the concept of giving the oysters a place to... Yes, a place to live, yeah, in, in the ocean, sure. So we're at, we're at 18 metres depth uh, on, a, on a sandy um, coastal seaplane. Um, we the, the size of the lease um, is 400 hectares. Um, just to give you an idea of scale there, that's uh, 1.6 kilometres wide by 3.6 kilometres long. That's the lease that we have in Flinders Bay. Um, it's located only a, a five-minute boat ride from the marina where we have our processing factory. Um, and then we have those 10,000 habitats located within that at 18 metres. Um, and it's become a a natural reef now because it's been there for so long that um, there's uh, natural fish actually living and growing on the reef there's predatory migratory fish coming and going all the time there's lobster there's um, octopus there's abalone Um, it's become a really interesting ecosystem um, which also the byproduct of is that we produce you know um, this valuable green lip abalone which is a a beautiful wild harvest product that um, nature has completely created um, What's the difference between the abalone you grow on your habitats versus the wild catch abalone? Basically just size. So um, the abalone in the wild that I was harvesting is subject to a legal minimum length to, for sustainability reasons. We were harvesting around about 150 mil legal minimum length, which is around about a, an eight or nine year old abalone. Um, the abalone, we only leave our abalone on the reef for three years, so um, they're about 18 months when we get them. So about five years by the time we harvest them, so they're a little bit smaller. We're harvesting at around about 120 mil average size, um, around about 230 grams each. Um, so, yeah, they're a little bit younger. Um, um, taste exactly the same as um, the wild catch ones we were getting, um, but it offers the market um, a, a green lip abalone, um, which is slightly smaller. Um, which is wild catch um, and you know you can get one piece per person around a table which has become very popular in in our in our customer base particularly in Hong Kong. Gee that's a long time isn't it to nurture a a product before being able to to reap any commercial benefit from it. Five years yeah it's it does take um, a bit of time and investment uh, to wait for the product to, to come on stream. And we have um, three year classes at any one time on our, on our reef. Um, we actually put out um, babies every year. So we're putting out 1.2 million um, baby abalone every year to ensure that we have another, you know, a good sized crop every three years. And of those 1.2 million we put out, around about 40 to 45% actually make it through to survival, to, to, to harvest. So we lose a few along the way to, it's a bit of a nature tax along the way. Wow. What's, yeah, so. what's what's causing that loss? Um, oh, some of it's, you know, just what lives there, the fish, <laughs> um, octopus, um, you know, a few rays. Um, and we lose most of them actually in the first couple of weeks when they first go in. Um, they've just come from a hatchery um, and they, you know, are not adapted to that environment. So I think some um, get eaten by fish straight away. Some 
get washed off by the swell. Um, but yeah, we, we're pretty happy with it, with the survival rate that we've got, and we could make good money out of that. So this this um, innovation that you have developed, the Habitat, has that now become Rare Foods Australia's IP? That's your unique selling proposition Absolutely. compared to your competitors? Nobody does this? There are no competitors. We're in a unique space. And um, to take that even further, because we've created something that's um, so sustainable um, and has so few inputs and completely relies on nature, we've actually been able to achieve, achieve Marine Stewardship Council certification as a fully sustainable fishery. So not only have we created a, an exciting reef that's located within a marine park that we can grow abalone on and, and supports a number of other species that live on the reef, um, it's actually been recognised as a fully sustainable um, fishing enterprise by the Marine Stewardship Council. So we've got the blue tick, which is a, a fantastic achievement and also a great marketing opportunity um, for us to um, market to you know, um, environmentally conscious consumers. Of which there are many. And I will also mm. jump in now and say that the Marine Stewardship Council also named you the Sustainable Fishing Hero at their Sustainable Seafood Awards in 2023. Do you feel like a hero, Brad? <laughs> no, definitely not a hero. Um, and I've been copping a bit of a ribbing from all my mates about it as well. But um, I'm very humbled and honoured to um, be recognised um, for our work um, in that area. Um, I'm, I've been a big supporter of uh, MSC for many years. Um, I used to be um, the chairman of the West Australian Fishing Industry Council back in 2012 when um, Norman Moore, the current minister, and I um, were in Brussels and actually uh, inked the deal for um, all West Australian fisheries, if they wanted to be, um, to be assessed by Marine Stewardship Council um, principles um, and have that funded by the West Australian government. So, you know, it was a really exciting time back then um, and to actually, um, years later, to have um, a fishery that um, we created here in Augusta with the rare foods um, habitats to be recognised as its own uh, fishery and to be certified MSC was um, a complete closure of the circle. And, yeah, I was really excited and humbled by it. So, yeah, pretty chuffed. Do you have any metrics around your impact on the environment there? Like, Yeah, of course. So, so we actually um, call that regenerative sustainability. So the idea there is we're actually um, putting more in than we get back because we've created a, a whole new artificial reef. It's actually the world's largest privately owned artificial reef. Um, and because of the species and the biomass of different things that it's actually now attracted and created and that live there and um, their whole life cycle is on it, plus the, you know, the predatory fish coming and going, um, it's actually a net positive benefit to the environment um, from a, from a um, biodiversity perspective. So um, that's um, a real key um, factor to us actually getting the MSC certification. Mm. What do you love most about your job, Brad? Um, the, being underwater, yeah, 100%. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hate being in the office. Um, well, I don't hate it, but um, it's not my favourite part. If I can get out in the water diving... Um, you know, I could just switch off and I just love seeing what's out there, seeing the changes over the seasons because um, no one day is the same out there. And it just just as on land where, you know, on a farm, um, the seasons change, the, brown, the grass goes brown and then there's spring and there's winter and there's just different types of water around and um, 
the the reef behaves differently. There's different fish there at different times of the year, and and, and having now dived on it for you know over a decade. Um, to see the changes from nothing to what's out there today, it just blows my mind. And, you know, being out there on a, on a cold, wintry day when um, there's humpback whales jumping out around you right next to you as you're hopping in the water and you, you wow. hear them in your head when you're down there, and, you know, you see all the fish life and um, what's what's happening down there. It's, it's one of the coolest dives on the planet. Um, so, yeah, that, that still excites me. Um, so that's one of my favourite things of my job. Um, you see sharks? Um, well, we, we have had a few sightings um, on on the on the ranch, and we have protocols, you know, safety protocols to make sure that we don't do ourselves any damage. Um, but yeah, no, pretty rare, pretty rare. I was going to ask if it ever gets boring going down there, but I think you've just it never that. gets boring, and I I can never do it enough. But unfortunately, um, you know, there's other things we need to do to grow the business. So, you know, quite often you've got to swap your wetsuit for the, uh, the savvy business suit, pound the streets, uh, yeah, talking to people. How has the business changed over the years in terms of who you surround yourself with? You know, oh, you said you started yeah. out diving with your dad and your yeah. brothers and now, and now who are you surrounded by? Um, well, surrounded by a, a really good team now. But back in the early days when we first got going, um, actually a, a couple of them are still with us now, Sam Henry, our ranch manager, was my number three employee. Um, well, he's come up to long service leave now. Uh, Neville, the processing manager, has been there since day dot as well. Um, so there's a few long-termers there. Um, but, yeah, the business has grown now to, to being over 30 people and we've got, a you know, accountants, a chief financial officer. Uh, we've got um, Rob Jordan, a fantastic CEO, to, you know, make sure the business is... Uh, tracking well and, and heading in the right direction and um, I, I look after the growth opportunities now which is a place that I um, like being in um, yeah so it's become really diverse there's um, um, and, and and really you know structured and well managed like any ASX business should be and um, you know going from a small family business to to where it is now has has been a, a real a real um, change but um, yeah an exciting uh, growth opportunity along the way so um yeah it's nothing like i imagined it would be back in you know 2011 um but that's that's great because you know you're always looking at new opportunities and looking and seeing you know trying to do your best for, for your shareholders and and yourself and um and your family speaking of growth of the company globally who loves abalone the most oh the most um asian uh yes yeah, Asians, definitely. Well, it is a highly sought after um, food for um, celebrations in, in China, Southeast Asia, Hong Kong, um, Singapore. Um, it's, it's one of the foods, you know, when you're um, celebrating a wedding or a, um, good friends coming over or you're impressing someone in business, you put foods like abalone and lobster on the table to show you know how how you value having that person opposite you. It's um, you know, you it's 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 a it's a, a Chinese tradition of having good food and um, sharing. They're they're the biggest foodies in the world. So yeah, the Southeast Asians um, community froth on abalone. And why has it not been as adopted as feverishly in Australia? Do you think? Um, I think because we're so used to going and catching our own um, that. They think, oh, I'm not going to pay that sort of money for, for it. Um, but you're finding that as an entree, um, particularly in Australia, 
you don't actually need much. 30 or 40 grams is a great serving size um, for abalone. It's quite rich um, and um, it, it's got an amazing taste and, and, and texture profile. So you don't need much to actually have a really good abalone experience. And um, chefs are slowly starting to understand that in Australia, particularly um, uh, in Western Australia, to the, the markets that we're selling into and the restaurants we sell to. Um, so you can give them a small entree serving and um, it doesn't cost that much. So um, we're finding through our ocean pantry too that our um, biggest seller actually is just a small um, 100 gram pack of sliced abalone um, to take away and try. And there's been, you know, that's our biggest seller at the ocean pantry. So, um, you know, the small serving size at a lower price point um, seems to resonate pretty well with people. And how much does that 100 gram packet set someone back? Uh, you're looking at about $35. Okay. So the, when you're getting it in a restaurant, you're obviously always going to get a bit at a bit of a markup because you've got the chef. Yeah, I think the, the average um, restaurant uh, entree would be around your $20, $25, yeah. So that's pretty average, though. That's Of course, and this is yeah. what people need to wake up to. Abalone is a very, a very affordable um, luxury item that's, you know, that should be on the uh, menu more often. Yeah. Do you think maybe chefs are a little, I don't know, daunted by not... No, they don't know how oh, to something cook. Because I think sometimes there's, you know, the old bad experience, oh, it tastes like rubber or, you know, chewy, chewy is an old boot. Um, but it all comes down to the preparation and, and the quality of the abalone that you source. Um, so, you know, from a company like ours who harvest our abalone uh, at 18 metres, they're, they're wild, they're well-nurtured, um, they're landed within five minutes of being harvested at our state-of-the-art processing facility on the marina, um, straight into the live tanks, and then the next day they're harvested. Uh, sorry, they're processed using, you know, the latest technology. Um, you're, you're ending up with a, a superbly superb quality product of, um, you know, that's just just premium. So um, the way we look after it um, is is what you should be looking for when you're um, when you're trying to purchase abalone. Companies. Do you out. have a Do you have a favourite way to yeah I, I, yeah, I do. I do. Whenever I actually have guests down, I, I like to do abalone three ways to show the three different textures. The first one, um, which is my favourite always, is the sashimi. Just getting it, slicing it thinly. Um, really nice uh, crunch. Um, pretty sought after in Japan, actually. That's how they generally eat in Japan is sashimi. But, um, yeah, sashimi is a great one. Um, the second one I do is a, a sauté with chilli, ginger and garlic. Um, lightly fried for about 10 seconds uh, in the olive oil. Um, that gives it a real nice soft texture, which just melts like butter in your mouth. And the third one I do is um, actually um, a thicker slice um, and have it crumbed in panko. And you yeah, wow. have these nice fingers and that's delicious. So three different textures. And I've never met a kid yet that won't eat the panko crumbed abalone. Better, much better than chicken nuggets. I was about to say, listen to <laughs> This is going to be a new trend, abalone nuggets. If if uh, if a big chain such as the Golden Arches wanted to wanted to start the abalone nuggets, are you are you ready to scale? Absolutely, <laughs> we'll, give it, we'll give the abalone nuggets a cracker. I actually mm. um, have tried abalone before. And? I was on King Island for my friend's wedding. She married Lovely a guy spot. from mm. King Island and they, they've they since moved there for many years now. They got married there, so it was this big 
50 people descending on the island and they literally just, as you said, you know, they would just go down and catch it themselves and then came up mm. and were like, oh, this is what we got for the barbecue. Mm. That, that's the only way I've ever, like I've never seen it on a menu even. Well, you've had it the best way you can ever get it. Yeah, you're, fresh you're, and you're, chucked you're, it on the barbie. Yeah, yeah amazing, amazing. And uh, I do that a lot down here. Um, I was actually out on the weekend and went and caught my own feed of abs and craze and ate it that night. You just can't beat it. It really is quite marvelous. But the second best way to do it is to buy from uh, Rare Foods Australia. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I can't imagine uh, there's many people going out there knowing where to go or how to. Yeah, or worry about getting eaten by something. Exactly, terrifying. (laughs) So taking it back to the business, what's the biggest challenge you're facing right now? Like any business, I think getting access to, to people really tough you know we've had to work really hard uh, and the team down here has done a great job at attracting um, some high quality people um, but yeah it is tough to to get and retain uh, and you know get good qualified staff or, or train good qualified staff and keep them um, in, mm. a rural, in a country area um, we've also got issues with um, very limited uh, accommodation options for people coming into the area, you know. Um, yeah, so we've, we've recently actually been getting divers from Europe um, to fill wow. our roster because we've been struggling to get um, Australian um, divers, commercial divers, to, to work for us. So, um, yeah, is it's a, like is any business. Really is that a lucrative job? Um, it's not too bad. Um, certainly one of the higher-paying jobs uh, for young people in the, in the southwest, definitely. But um, yeah, it, it does have its own skill use, set being a commercial diver. Use this as your plug. <laughs> yeah, come to come to Rare Foods Australia and be an abalone diver if you're um, if you're that way inclined. We really we really look for people that um, love being in the ocean. Um, we find that uh, guys who are, or girls who are into spearfishing or surfing um, make really good divers because you're out in the water a lot and mm. in the elements a lot, and the elements change a lot. So. It's a, it's a completely foreign workplace to most people, but if you've got a real love of the ocean, um, you love diving and, um, you know, if, you, if you're into surfing and um, spearfishing, you generally find that they're the sorts of people that, um, that we retain longer term. And what are we talking? Like, is it a 100K job, 200K job? Oh, it's a little under 100K, yeah. yeah. But you, get yeah. To, you get to go to work in paradise every day you do you do and it's it's which kind of treated as a um, nine to five job almost as well you know five days a week you get your holidays and all your you know long service leave your crew it's yeah it's it's a pretty cool job as far as diving goes there's no doubt about it um and and the the office underwater out there is amazing uh, but not only there too we've also got the processing factory as well um and there's a lot of career opportunities there for for young people or, or even older people we've got um, a wide range of um, ages working at the processing factory and we're growing there as well. So we're bringing other products into the processing factory to make full use of the um, processing factory here in Augusta. It's state-of-the-art. It's brand new. Um, great place to work there on the harbour. It's, it's very close to town. Um, so, yeah, we've got good staff in there and we're now developing our retail offering as well at the Ocean Pantry. So the Ocean Pantry is our showcase um, of all our products um, and also we might be running tours there as well. So, you know, there's there's a, a wide range of um, jobs there. And then, then you get into management as well, where you've got your white-collar jobs with, you know, accountants and um, managers. Um, so there's a lot of different pathways now at Rare Foods Australia um, 
with our with our growth project trajectory, and you know we hope to double, triple the size of this business in the next two years. Is there any particular thing you feel you need to accomplish in order to achieve that growth, other than just incremental growth? Uh, no, no, we're looking. You know, I think some some acquisitions, and that's that's where we're at with corporate development. Is you know looking at other businesses that um, suit um, our our model, which is you know rare and premium from the southwest, um, export quality. Um, yeah, so we we are actively looking for um, acquisitions to add to our supply chain. Um, whether it be acquisition of a whole company or acquisition of the supply chain, um, they are the sorts of things we need to look at to, to rapidly grow this business. And we've got the capacity in place now. I mean, we've got a, a full management team um, in place now that you wouldn't have if you weren't going to be a growth company. If you were just going to bumble along and, and just do your abalone ranching and, and process and sell around the world, um, the team would be much smaller. But um, we're investing in growth, so we're looking for growth. Brilliant. Well, I hope it comes knocking uh, or or you find it very soon. Final question for you, Brad. This is one we ask everybody. What's your silver bullet for business success? Be be genuine, be honest and be authentic. You, you guys have it in droves. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very much. Pleasure. Thanks for joining me.